0: Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, No commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The date is 1981. The place is Japan. Your assignment is to assist in the investigation of the case of Isaiah Sagawa. He could be called Japan's Jeffrey Dahmer. Born April 26, 1949, in Kobe, Japan, Issei Sagawa had everything his wealthy family could provide for him. He is also highly intelligent and was working for his PhD in literature at the age of 32 while studying in France. Issei is a debonair-looking man, meticulous dresser with tinted glasses, a high forehead, and short, neat, dark hair. And Issei Sagawa is a cannibal. While so many people are currently tuned into the Netflix series on American serial killer and cannibal Jeff Dahmer, we are going to meet another cannibal killer, a necrophiliac who speaks freely of his numerous fetishes. And he currently walks the streets free. Oh, and he's looking for a special lady. Issei Sagawa was a premature baby, small enough to fit in his father's hand. Issei grew up to be a skinny, weak child. He would later recall how, in first grade, he observed what he said, the quivering meat on a male classmate's thighs, and I suddenly thought, Mmm, that looks delicious. From this point on, Sagawa obsessed over eating human flesh. He also self-reports other fetishes that began in childhood, including bestiality with his dog. As he grew older, he became obsessed with tall, beautiful Western women. Sagawa grew to stand less than five feet tall and, in his opinion, not particularly handsome or desirable. Always introspective, Sagawa believes this is why he was attracted to this type of woman. For example, in junior high, Sagawa became obsessed with the statuesque actress Grace Kelly. The blind beauty was a fashion icon, about five foot eight with Hollywood's vision of a perfect body. Sagawa dreamed of Grace Kelly into high school. He was never attracted to men. It was only beautiful women. Sagawa's obsession was initially just to bite women, saying he wanted to gnaw on their flesh. He reported to law enforcement and the media that he recognizes it as a part of a sexual act and never something affiliated with hunger. He also learned if he did not masturbate often, the urge to bite women, to taste them or gnaw on them, would become stronger and stronger. He would explain that cannibalism is an extension of wanting to be next to a woman, an extension of liking someone, wanting to see her, smell her, and kiss her. The desire to kiss, he would explain, is based on primal urges. The Dictionary of Psychology defines cannibalism as the uncontrollable urge to consume human flesh. Pathological in nature, this urge to devour a fellow human being is observed in patients with schizophrenia and related mental disturbances. In psychoanalytic theory, such cannibalistic tendencies point to a fixation with the oral biting phase of human psychosexual development. And as he grew older, Sagawa's lust did not stop. He lived in Tokyo watching women and fantasized about biting, chewing their flesh. When he was 23 years old in Tokyo, Isaiah Sagawa watched a tall, German woman walking past him. Sagawa followed her and watched her walking into her home. He waited and then broke into her apartment as she slept. He crept to her bed and sliced off a piece of her skin to consume. She awoke screaming but managed to escape. Law enforcement managed to catch and arrest Isaiah Sagawa. He was charged with attempted rape. Cannibalism was not suspected then because Sagawa kept his secret. At 32, Sagawa moved to France to earn his PhD in literature at the Sorbonne. With a change in scenery came a change in his MO. He would pick up prostitutes to take to his room. Once at his home, Sagawa would try to shoot these women from behind. It was his plan to kill them and then consume their flesh. Sagawa attempted to murder the prostitutes several times, but would later admit he could not make himself pull the trigger. Part of the reason was the realization that he would ruin his life by committing murder. He would later admit to picking up hundreds of prostitutes and failing his attempts to kill, and that killing them became more about what he called a ritual than about eating their flesh. The women never suspected that there was a gun being pointed at the back of their heads. Never knew how close they had come to dying. While at the university, Sagawa met a Dutch woman seven years his junior named Renee. Renee was a sweet girl in a school where Sagawa felt the women were snobby and out of his league. Renee was sweet, a warm girl with this lovely smile. She was pretty, a naturally classic beauty with long blonde hair. And she enjoyed chatting with Sagawa about their families, their hopes, their dreams. She enjoyed studying with him. Sagawa was very intelligent. They were good friends and study partners. Sagawa would invite Renee to his room numerous times, and she never realized he had pointed the gun to the back of her head, just as he had done with the prostitutes. Renee just saw as a harmless, steady partner who was quite intelligent. And fun to talk to. Finally, on the night of June 9th, 1981, Sagawa decided he had to murder Renee. The desire to consume her flesh had become so overbearing he could think of nothing else. Well, she came over to his house as planned. When she turned her back to him, he crept up behind her. He raised the gun put it behind her head, and slowly, methodically, pulled the trigger. The gun misfired, and he quickly put the gun away and hit it. Rene, unaware of the gun, unaware of his intentions, happily agreed to return in two nights. They had a poetry assignment. It was June 11th, and Rene returned to Sagawa's home as they planned. They settled in to study, chatting as always, friendly, smiling. But again, Sagawa waited for Renee to turn her back to him. And again, he crept up behind her. He raised the gun to the back of her head and pulled the trigger. Renee died instantly. Sagawa would later be quoted in a January 1, 2009 article by Tomakazu Kozuga for Vice magazine. He said, For a split second, I thought about calling an ambulance, but then I thought, Hang on, don't be stupid. You've been dreaming about this for 32 years, and now it's actually happening. Sagawa would later say he regretted killing Renee and wished he had asked her if he could just taste her because he preferred eating live flesh and because he had lost a good friend by murdering her. It was best to kill a stranger, he decided, someone he had not personalized. Sagawa later reported to law enforcement how he had performed necrophilia with the corpse and then ate the sex organs of the body, along with the tongue, breasts, face, and the neck. He tried to eat through the buttocks but found them too thick to chew through, although it was exciting to look at them. He kept the corpse for a day which made the meat, he said, taste better. The soles of the feet smelled bad, and because the victim was on her period, there were other body parts that smelled, he said. He would tell a reporter in 2018, if you really want to feast, you should eat the thighs. Sagawa packaged and froze some of the organs and body parts, leaving the legs, head, and torso. He took these three body parts and he packed them into two suitcases, and then he hailed a cab. With the suitcases bouncing and clogging down the steps, Sagawa then placed them in the cab and had the driver pull away from the building. I am going to the Bois de Boulogne Lake, he told his driver. The plan was to drop the suitcases into the Bois de Boulogne Lake. Witnesses observed him. This Asian man, small in stature, well-dressed, but dragging two suitcases through some woods toward the water's edge. It appeared the suitcases were leaking. The witnesses notified police. Officers arrived just in time to meet Isaiah Sagawa at the water's edge with his two suitcases. Closer inspection revealed the cases were dripping blood. Opening these two suitcases on the scene caused officers to reel back in horror, gagging at the sight. Sagawa would calmly confess to the officers, I killed her to eat her flesh. Police searching Sagawa's home discovered the cannibal had placed parts of Rene's organs on different plates. Sagawa's wealthy family bought him the absolute best defense lawyer money could buy. Police held him for two years in France and he was declared legally insane. Therefore, he was exempt from prosecution. The French court documents were sealed, so they were not available to Japanese courts. Sagawa was deported to Japan. Back in his home country, Sagawa was held in a mental institution until professionals declared him sane. Thus, he could sign himself out of the institution. This he did in August 1986. and Isewa Sagawa now walks the streets of Japan. A free man. Sagawa's fetish goes beyond cannibalism. He has explained a female friend gave him bottles of her urine and saliva to consume. After the woman gave birth, however, Sagawa became turned off. He began seeing her as a mother figure and he claims the urine became odiferous. Does he still have the same urge to eat live human beings? During one interview, The journalist asked if Isaiah Sagawa had any request for the article. Anything he wanted the journalist to print? Sagawa replied, Yes, can you please call for people who would willingly be eaten by me in your magazine? There's one condition, though. They have to be young, beautiful women. And then Sagawa added, I would like to invite any woman who wants to kill me to step forward. Beautiful women only. That would be the ideal way for me to die. Maybe they can shoot me up with morphine so that I don't feel any pain. Although I guess the pain is part of the pleasure. I want to savor the process of being killed. An alternative would be to drown in female saliva. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be covered all over with women's spit? Isaiah Sagawa remains in Japan and has worked as an author, a commentator, an actor, and has been featured in documentaries. Currently, he is in poor health and is cared for by a brother who has also admitted perverse sexual fantasies of his own. Sagawa's new dream is to die at the hands of another cannibal. And that is the case of Isaiah Sagawa, Japan's Jeff Dahmer. And he's still looking for his special lady. Hey everyone, this is Judith A. Yates, true crime author and criminologist, and I'm an expert at the prevention and awareness of domestic violence. Remember, domestic violence can be mental, it can be physical, and it can be emotional. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE or one 800 799 7233. It's a free call and people are standing by to talk to you. You can get help, you can discuss abuse, you can make a safety plan, and you can help support others. Again, that number is 1-800-799-7233 and you can go online at thehotline.org. Get help now or get help for a friend. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.